Welcome back everyone to Life Talks. This is Brian Melissa. What's up everyone? Today is a special day. Oh wait, I think we need some cranberry juice. My wife poured it all over my lap last time, so she's gonna try again. I'm gonna try pouring it on his lap again. Uh, you might wanna move the microphone though, because... <gasps> Ooh, that was Success. close. One go. Because this time I'm using my right hand instead of my left hand, right? And I'm also a grown-up, so I know how to pour drinks. Uh, cranberry juice. Nice. A little shout-out and shout-out. Oh, my gosh. It's Why getting easier, though. <laughs> All right, so today we actually have a special guest, a good buddy of mine. He's one crazy cat. Love this guy, and we're happy to have him. And we got a bunch of questions for him, so we're just going to start spitballing this thing. Uh, okay. Um, and his name's Eric, and he's coming to us from Nebraska. And I'll just give you a quick <laughs> Omaha. Quick background is he actually grew up in the Illinois area, um, and he's moved around a lot. Uh, he's a big Chicago Bears fan, so he's not so much into those Packers. Uh, hates the Detroit Red Rings. This guy's bleeding basically Chicago, right? So he's a Blackhawks fan. Also a Sox fan, so look out, Cub fans. Well, I got to say the Sox are having a great year. Uh, as far as music, he loves classic rock. This guy is an interesting fella. Um, but one question would be, you were in the military. Could you just tell us a little bit about your service time, what you did, what that, what was that all about? All right, so I, w I joined pre-9-11 and quickly saw the, you know, the transition and all the things that we did. I was deployed to Guam, and literally a friend of mine now who's a devout Catholic, you know, he's on our podcast uh, too, we'll, we'll drop one with him, he had a stroke. But we went to Thailand and they're like, hey, go build this schoolhouse in this small village in Thailand. And we lived with the lived with the villagers for about three months or so as we built this school. And every Friday we'd have a party together. And it was just a great opportunity. You know, when you think military, people think that, you know, people shooting each other. But no, we were building schools. Um, in the, my second deployment, I was deployed to uh, in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I was four deployed there in the sandbox. And kind of had some tribulations there, as you might imagine. But God is good, and um, things are starting to work out now. Things are uh, grace of God, and a lot of a lot of help through the VA helped me out with that. And then my next deployment, we got I deployed after the tsunami hit Indonesia in 04, and we did a lot of humanitarian relief there. I did construction, so we were, we we didn't take ships anywhere. We got deployed. That flew flew us pretty much everywhere. So one of the jobs we were tasked with after the tsunami hit was to find buildings that were habitable for people, which we didn't find any, but just some crazy. So those are some good things I did and some, you know, amazing things that I did when I was with the military. So that's pretty much my experience. I learned to trade. They taught me to be a plumber and HVAC guy. And I learned everything else on the cuff. I can frame and do whatever. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. Like what skills um, you pick up, like in whatever your career is, you end up learning so many more things than you really think. And that's the cool thing about like growing up and like doing different jobs. Um, I have two questions for you. I always okay. have two questions. I can never just have one. Um, did you ever make it to Guam, first of all? Or... Yes. You did. I lived there a little bit also with my brother-in-law. Well, because I live with my sister and okay. her family. He's in the Navy, and um, I got to hang out with my nieces for a while. And, yeah, Guam, shout out. Yeah. Beautiful the Chamorian people are awesome. I loved it there. Mm -hmm. uh, did you ever get to see that? Uh, did you ever In the middle of Guam. Okay, I'm, I don't know if you saw this, so I'm just going to set this up for your listeners. In the middle of Guam, there's this waterfall. And there was a Japanese soldier there who was hiding out after Guam was taken. And, like, he popped out in the 70s and thought the war World War II was still going on. 
Like he had been hiding out and hiding from people in the uh, uh, in, from Guam, living in the jungle. And he came out and he's like, "Wait, the war's over?" And it's twenty years, you know, nineteen seventy something. Wow. So, yeah. So if you, he was yeah. living around that waterfall. So there's a museum for him and stuff like that there, and a beautiful, beautiful waterfall. Yeah, it's gorgeous, and you can see like where he was living, like his little barracks that he made for himself, and his like this itty bitty like dirt hole. It was it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, the the fortitude uh, that a human spirit can have. So, um, so you were in the military. Would you give any advice for those who are considering like uh, the military path, or are there any um, tips that you might give someone? Um, I think the number one tip is this. Join the military because you want to serve your country and you want to help, you know, help the people. You're When we're fighting, you're not fighting for the president. You're not fighting for the, uh, you know, the, the politicians. When you're deployed and you haven't seen your family for six months to a year, you're not doing that for the shot callers in Washington. You're doing it for your country. You're doing it for the people to the left and to the right of you. And if you're going to join, join for that. When I, Like I said, I joined before 9-11, so... I heard a lot of people say, well, I only joined to get a college degree. Now I have to go to war. And it's like, dummy, dude, you joined the military. If you didn't factor that into your decision process, you're not thinking this through. You do it to, 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 for your country, for, the, for, for you know, your brothers and sisters back home, as well as in the military. So I would say go into it doing that, knowing that you're going to sacrifice. I will say this. It is a rough life, but it's a fulfilling life. I know people, I remember my buddy, he, his first born son was just learning to talk when he left and he had a little recording of his son that said, I love you, Papa. And he would play it. And it was probably like the most bittersweet thing that, and I'm not a father, but I think any of us would ever hear. He was like, bring him close to his son, but at the same time he misses his, his son. So be prepared for sacrifice and know that your family is sacrificing along with you. And they're just as much as part of the military as you are, but, and do it, and do it out of, out of love for country and your, your, your people in your country. Awesome. Well, thank you for your service. And yeah, that's just awesome. And yeah, it's just, that's just right there. It's true. Thank you to the service families, right? The families of servicemen and women who uh, basically have to wait uh, on yeah. our loved ones. So All right, taking a different spin, um, just what are some of your fondest memories of life um, thus far in your thousand years on earth? My thoughts, she went, <laughs> yep. First of all, you're older than me. Second uh, of all, I don't know. I don't see the paperwork. So. You don't see the, yeah, yeah. We're, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll put up right after this. And I'll put a screenshot of my birth certificate. You can do put a shot of yours and we'll see. We'll see who's yeah, on We'll see if now. I can find it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I'm going to sidetrack on this because we're talking about age. So when I was in the Salesians, they're, you know, Salesians serve the youth. So most of the most of the, the people who come in are 18 to 20 years old, 18, 25. And I was in my early to you know, late twenties, I think it was 28. And they used to call me father Abraham and, and grandpapa. <laughs> oh, grandpapa, can you come here? I'm like, you freaking little freaking jerks. <laughs> so one of the guys he used to say it the most, his name is Pedro. And he is now, uh, he left a uh, Salesians and he's now in uh, with the diocese of South Carolina. And lo and behold, there's this young punk named Eric who makes fun of him for being old. So I was like, aha, yeah. justice in this world. You <laughs> And I, and I really would, uh, I'll say, I, di I didn't have the, the, the best upbringing. Uh, I struggled with family, at least half the family on my mom's side, if not all of them. Um, but when I was 12 years old, I moved in with my dad. And 
I was like his little shadow. I think that's the best way to describe it. Anything he did, I did. I was there with him. I think one time he, he worked for uh, uh, the village of Bellwood, which is kind of closer to the city. And he took me to work with him one time when he got called into overtime and they were plowing because he was a mechanic. So he had, someone had to be there to fix stuff when it broke down. Um, but the fondest memory I had growing up when I was, I used to live at a pool. I, I would literally, the pool would open at 10 and it would close at five. And I was there for that whole time for the most part. And I'd say four out of five days a week, my dad would come home. He was a mechanic, physical labor guy. He would come home from work, shower, change, and meet me at the pool at five o'clock because it was family swim. And he would swim with me for about an hour. That My dad was 48 years old after working a full-time job as a mechanic, manual labor, and he would come home at 48 years old and swim with me for an hour, four nights a week. Wow. That's insane, dude. And, and I it just... That's probably my fondest memory. I think if, if I had to think about what it means to be a father, I think that's it. I, I mean, I can't think of a better example of what it means to be a good man, a good father than that, to be exhausted and give. And actually, I'm going to add this too. Uh, I have a friend who was a, a, a single dad and he's struggling with these issues. And he said, you know what? I bet you, I, as I was explaining this one time, and I said, I don't know how he did it. And he says, I bet you that that was your dad's most precious time of the week was when he got home and even though he's exhausted to go swim with you and it, it choked, it almost choked me up. It really did. And even now I can, I can feel like how beautiful of a statement that is. And so anyway, that's my fondest memory, I think. Yeah. That's like the power of love, right? That it will move beyond exhaustion. It will move you beyond struggle and strife and it, it's powerful. And um, you encountered um, a conversion, the power of God's love in your life that took you from like a dark time to um, some of the brightest times. Can you tell us a little bit about your conversion? Sure. Okay. So I will try to expedite it. Um, I can, I can go along. So hooligan growing up, uh, a lot of drugs, a lot of drinking, um, a lot of immoralities, you know, and uh, I don't know why I say it like that. I think I started in a movie one time and I said, <laughs> immoralities um or maybe it's my family's from ukraine so maybe it's that too um all right so a lot of bad stuff i joined the military um i wasn't doing once again i wanted drinking and smoking a lot and uh, things like that and one night i had a dream and it was the most vivid dream i ever had and it wasn't it wasn't i wasn't I didn't have a dream of hell. I didn't have a vision of hell. But what I did was I had a vision of Christ's second coming and all the sinners were immobilized and couldn't move. Um, I got an interesting story about that too. I just found out something recently about that theologically. Um, but I, and, and I was trying to run away and I couldn't, and I got caught and I couldn't move. And uh, with the rest of the sinners, I found out recently a friend of mine told me that Padre Pio had described hell as because we have no free will, we can't move in hell. Like we're just stuck there frozen. And that's what Padre Pio would say. And I was like, you'll never guess what? I had a dream. I had a vision when I had my conversion. And we went on a long tangent about that. So that was tight. And I found, like I said, that was, I had that conversion in 04. And I just found out about that about a year and a half ago. Um, wow. So I woke up with this feeling of dread, knowing that I was going to hell for my choices. I wasn't Catholic at the time. Um, so I wasn't practicing Catholic. I didn't know about confession. So I didn't know that I can go to confession and have that taken away. So I woke up and I was in a panic and like, I can't, I can't describe the fear. It's not even fear. It's not even terror. Like it's, it's something worse than terror. It's ineffable. Um, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how to describe it, but I tried watching TV and it wouldn't go away. I tried just ignoring it and it wouldn't go away. I tried laying back in my bed and going to sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of it. This, it was just overwhelming. 
and I wound up praying and I'm laying in my bed praying, God, take this away from me. And he wouldn't do it. And this is okay. So this happened at like, I don't know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. And this is going on for hours. And I just couldn't get rid of it. And I walked right across from my barracks room was the chapel. So I crossed the street and went to the chapel and it was locked, but I was standing outside this holy water font, you know, the Protestant one where they're like, dunk you underwater, like they're drowning you. Oh, you know, St. John the Baptist style, right? And uh, I was kneeling, I was out standing outside in front of that. And I'm praying, God, take this from me, take this from me. And this feeling wouldn't go away. And I was on my knees begging God, God, take this from me right next to the water font. God, take this from me, nothing. And finally, I just looked up and I said, God, with, with my whole heart, God, forgive me for my sins in an instant. It was gone by that before wow. right as the last syllable of that word came out of my mouth that, that it was gone and i walked around the base for about i don't know an hour or two trying to figure things out um in that moment i should say in that moment i start drinking i stopped my immoralities i stopped smoking it was all in one in one shot like boom i made the decision like i came to the precipice of of seeing hell and i don't want to go back there and oh, i decided oh, wow. at that moment i'm cutting all sin out of my life that i can wow like um, it's so interesting how some people have to like, um, just cause everyone's journey is so different, right? Some people mm -hmm. go through things like over time, they're reading all these documents or they're encountering v various people and it takes years and years and years. And obviously your journey probably, you know, you only shared with us a little bit, but like these instant moments though, almost, um, sometimes God just gives us those graces like immediately, you know, and sometimes God is slow and it's just beautiful because he treats us individually depending on where we're at and what we need. And I, and so I love hearing people's story and how diverse they are. I, I don't mean to laugh, but I'm going to tell you why, because you said what, who, where they're at and what they need. And I think that's because God can't slowly move my soul. Like he needs to whack me upside the head with a spiritual two by four. People are like, oh, okay, I got it now. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I need is I need to be walloped like that to get what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we got to need that every day, really. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I told you again, son. Yeah, right. Oh, my. That's, that's some story there. That's just... Uh... Yeah, just some, sometimes life or maybe the Lord will let us hit that lowest spot and we finally cry out to him like, God, have mercy or whatever it is, a, a sincere cry, like the most sincere prayer you can ever have. Um, yeah. I know that's how it happened for me. Other people, it's like a long journey. You know, it's an intellectual journey. Like C.S. Lewis is like, I didn't feel anything. I just knew intellectually at one point, God must be real. You know, it's just like, yeah, and he's a brilliant man. But uh, yeah, it's amazing how it happens. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that, hon? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, yeah, just praise God for being able to, um, not being able to, but being willing <laughs> to reach our hearts, right? To just like reach in and, and captivate us. And, you know, he could just like say, oh, forget it. It's too much work, <laughs> right? These, these people or whatever, but that's the story, um, of Israel, right? And all people yeah. before and afterwards that he just struggles with us and he lets us, um, he never lets us walk away. Um, he's always trying to chase after us unless we you know we push him away but he's always just pursuing us like that like the father that he is so can i can i add something to that real quick i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt you no go but i will say this is okay so this is a true story um for whatever reason for the longest time i had this fear that i was going to turn away from god at some point and go back to my old life and i always used to say this prayer Lord, please don't let me turn from you. But if I do, please guide me to run and not come walking back to your side. And I prayed that every day. I still pray that. And there was at one point where even though I was in a very rough patch and it was recently, by recently, I mean, it was like a decade long. But at one point, finally, I didn't turn my back on God because, I mean, 
St. Peter's words, right? To whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of everlasting life. But I, so I knew who God was, but I was like, I just, what's the, what, I mean, what, what did I say to God when I did it? I was like, Lord, well, I mean, if I'm going to, my life is going to suck serving you. Why wouldn't I just go back to hedonism, you know? And, and I turned away and it like took an hour and an hour to that moment, I was back in adoration and asking God for forgiveness. And the next day, and the next day I was in confession. And I was like, that's why I offered up that prayer. And that's why I still offer up that prayer. Let me come running back. If I ever decide to turn my back, let me come running back. He's faithful to those prayers. And it's yeah. I, I love yeah. that. Yeah, we definitely, uh, we get those kind of dark nights, or whatever you want to call it, you know, periods yeah. where you don't feel the spirit. You're like, gosh, where is this God that I so believed in before, right? And uh, he's, it's almost like those are times where we grow the most for you. It, it really is a leap of faith. It's not like all emotion and feeling. It's like love and marriage sometimes. No. <laughs> it's <just> like, well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, Melissa, I'm but, sorry. I, I know it's all on you for him. Like he's the one that's acting wacky. <laughs> but uh, just as an example, you know, sometimes faith is, it's not a feeling, it's, you know, it's a choice, a choice of the will or the heart. And, uh, but we do get, the Lord is great, right? He gives us a lot of times of great feelings mm-hmm. of peace and just letting him, uh, let us feel his radiant love. And that's amazing. And that was, that's what heaven will be like forever. But sometimes those dry patches and that's awesome, man. That you came, you stuck to it after an hour. <laughs> yeah. I, took it, so. and I'll, <laughs> I came running back. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You got to figure 20 minutes of that was me driving to the chapel, you know? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, that's funny. All right, our next question for you. What or who has been inspirational to you? The easy answer would be people like, uh, uh, you know, sports heroes like uh, uh, Gail Sayers or um, who, who's another? Shaq. I, I really, Shaq is kind of in, it's sports, inspirational for sports-wise. People, you know, you might laugh at that. A lot of people would. But here's the thing. Shaq couldn't throw, shoot free throws. I don't know if you knew that. Uh mm-hmm. He could not. His hands were too big or something for the ball. But he would still, he, professional athlete, he knew that he wasn't getting any better, but he would still fight and try and try and try, spend hours at the free throw line as a professional, getting paid gobs of money, right? And I think those are inspirational things. But I think I'm going to have to go with with, with the Saints, uh, St. Saint John Bosco. I, I was uh, I joined this or attempted to join this Legion Order for uh, a few years so Don Bosco is a big inspiration for me. St. John Vianney. It's interesting. I'm more of an introvert and I'm more uh, contemplative in nature. So it's funny. Most of my saints are very extroverted, are very apostolic, which is funny. I, when I talk to other people, they're like very apostolic. And they're like, yes, I am. I, I, I really value St. Benedict. And, you know, like these con- super content- contemplative uh, saints. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, Venerable Fulton J. Sheen is probably number one on my list. Venerable Sheen is the man. I don't know if you know too much about him, but he is the man. Yeah, definitely a study. Used to, if you guys don't know, viewers, uh, he, he ran a TV show back in I don't know, <laughs> back when it was black and white still. Back and forth. He's from he's from the oh. diocese of Peoria, but he won an Emmy, and all he did was talk about God for twenty. He'd stand up and talk about God for twenty two minutes, and he won an Emmy in the nineteen fifties. Can you imagine that now? Man was be- beautifully well spoken. Um, he, all right, so this is my little plug on, on Venerable Sheen. This is all you need to know about Venerable Sheen. He had the greatest training. He was like one of the smartest people of the 20th century. He graduated with high honors from uh, the Louvain or whatever it is in, in Belgium with the most prestigious of the prestigious of the prestigious of seminaries. And they everyone knew he was destined for great things. And he came back to his diocese and his bishop stuck him in this backwater podunk parish. And, you know, if you, we think of Peoria now, right? I mean, it's all for farmland, Peoria, Illinois, by the way, 
I forget we're not all from Illinois. Um, so Peoria, Illinois, and it's very farmland. And even then it had to have been, you know, in the, the turn of the century, it had to have been really farmland there. And he was in this podunk little thing. And a year later, the bishop said, I'm going to send you to New York to do this, this, and this. He goes, why didn't you just send me there to begin with? I have all, you gave me all this training. What's going on? And the bishop said, because I wanted to know if you were humble enough to accept it. And he was, obviously he was. He, without a word, he did oh. it. Yes, yes, bishop. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you guys can look up some of his videos on YouTube. And uh, speaking yeah. of Shaq, I remember his free throws. Yeah, you guys can look that up on YouTube too. A unique <laughs> style, and it was always a challenge, you know. This is only going back 20 years ago or so. So yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Shaq's three throws, uh, free throws. Okay. All right, well, next question would be um, tell us a little bit about just your day job and then also the organization that you're a part of and what you're trying to do with that. Okay, so day job is I'm a safety compliance inspector for OSHA. Got into construction. That's where I learned when I was in the military and kind of went back to the safety, uh, was set up for it, and I just got this job with OSHA. So even even now, it's still a ministry, I think. Um, the Lord is leading me to help do this. My boss said just the other day we were talking, and he said, you know, I've been doing this for so many years, and I wake up in the morning and I ask myself one question. Did what I do yesterday save someone's life today? And that's really the, the mission of OSHA. A lot of people don't, you know what I mean? Like, oh, they're going to, you know, they're just a pain in the neck and giving me fines. Well, no, the goal is to save lives. Um, and the other, the, the other, the ministry, the Catholic Misfit, uh, we started the Catholic Misfit two and a half years ago, and it was articles. We were, we were a publication, Catholic publication. The reason was there was a lot of things going on in the church, and it seemed like, no one really had the the voice of the Catholic people, you know, the, the average Catholic people like uh, you and Melissa or myself. And some of we started, some of us were writing articles and trying to shop them around to these other, do these other Catholic publications. And they would get, read, get responses like, well, we really only talk about stuff that is, you know, uh, um, currently going on in the church, like current events. And I was like, I just sent you an article a week after the Pew research came out that said that Catholics don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. And what do you mean it's not current events? They, and it wound up being that our editor said, they don't know what they have. They don't understand it. This is so different than typical Catholic writings. And that's what started, that's what led us to start this. And about a year and a half later, a year later, we realized that, well, no one reads articles anymore. So we started doing, switching to a more media friendly content. Like we do the Catholic misfit where literally it's chunks of, it's 60 second to 90 second chunks of theology. And you, you know, I don't know how many squirrels, I'm sorry, and how ADD you have, how much ADD you have, but it's tailored for that, you know, that, that, that media consumption and things like this in podcasts like, like yours and your programs, just being capturing the voice of everyday people. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, drop that link in our show notes so people can check out his videos. This guy, if you can't pick up on it, he has great energy. It's funny, he said he's contemplative and more introverted. You would never know if you met him. <laughs> and he brings that just, I don't know, authentic and energy, and it's just a powerful, like, real voice in these uh, Catholic Misfit uh, clips that they do on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, that's just awesome. Catholic Misfit Facebook page. We're on YouTube where we got a lot of these things cataloged. We're kind of figuring out a way how to do that. And as your hosts well, no, uh, we're putting together a podcast. Yeah, you guys have to check that out. We were actually on his show. It was so cool. Here's a good interview question. Where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 25 years? Okay, so five years, hopefully married by then, hopefully. Um, 
I really don't. I did. The, I did the discerning thing. I mentioned that, but I'm, I, I think God's calling me to be married. So hopefully, married and owning my first house, putting down roots, is huge for me. And I really do feel that call. So that was five. The other one was ten years. You said. Ten yep. years. I hope to be living in Omaha still. <laughs> like, that's my number one goal: is to not move. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I can totally relate to wanting to put down roots because after college, I just was bouncing around. Well, even up until like two years ago when I moved here, I never I haven't stayed in a place longer than two years. Um, And there was a period of several years where I moved like every six months and it was just getting exhausted. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Lord, I love the adventure. I love being able to go places on a weekend, but I really want a place that I can call home because making new friends and trying to find a church community and wanting to volunteer and like I couldn't volunteer because I couldn't make a commitment to anyone, you know, um, and so I was missing that part of my life, too. So, yeah, I totally hear you on that. What? Well, yeah, well, I think you're 100 percent right with that. Um, this is the first place I've ever moved where I didn't have any friends. And it's odd that this is the one place, you know, only God works like that. Right. I'm going to move you to some place where you know nobody, and that's where I'm going to make you set down roots finally. Like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did we say 25 years? I did not. I was I was trying years. to avoid 25 years because I have no idea. <laughs> it's so far out, it's goofy. <laughs> no, it's no idea. 25 years from now, retired? Let's take a different spin. What would you recommend for somebody to find fulfillment in life? I think fulfillment in life comes from several sources. One is emotional, psychological stability, um, which if you've spent five minutes with me, you know that that's where I struggle with the most. Uh, Intellectual stimulation, growing knowledge, and uh, prayer life. uh, um, Understanding and being in this right right place with the Lord. And if you're gonna, you're gonna you gotta have all three of those things. So if, if you you need to have those three things in place for you to be fulfilled, to, to be even content, let alone happy, and that's that's the key. You know what I mean? Always, always trying to grow forward and trying to grow in your faith. That's how you keep God um, growing intellectually. Whether it be, you know, you don't always have to read books. You can be watching YouTube videos or documentaries. Something to grow that that knowledge base for for you to gain more insight, no matter what it is. Uh, Bernard Lonergan, he had said that in order to, whenever you learn something about a subject, you're learning about God. So Jimmy learns about math. He's learning about God. When Billy is learning about science, he's learning about God. When Eric is learning, watching a documentary on, I don't know, war, he's actually crazy to say, but he's learning something about God. God is in all of that. Um, so that's why it's important to do, to stay intellectually, uh, um, what it is, uh, 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 Ben Stiller said in dodgeball, I like to break a mental sweat too, right? Uh, <laughs> and then you have to think emotionally, I mean, you gotta, you always gotta try to, uh, be mature, which I am not. Can I'm we, working on it, but I'm not. That's beautiful. Can we steal that quote for our, like, tagline? Like, we like to break a mental sweat. It's not mine. I mean, Ben Stiller said it. Have you ever seen Dodgeball? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. so you know, he's all carrying a book, and I think it was upside down. He's like, you got me. I like to break a mental sweat, too. (laughs) You're an idiot. You you just picked that book up five seconds ago. That's funny. That's awesome. 
Um, I have two questions for you. So I'll go with the first one. Um, and it's just kind of off the cuff. Like you said, you kind of led a crazy life before growing up in your twenties, blah, blah. You had a conversion. Um, how have you dealt with, um, and Cheryl, you know, obviously only share what you want, but, um, did you ever have any regret? And if so, how did you deal with, you know, past or even present failing, shortcoming sins? How do you deal with that? Because I feel it, like a lot of people carry that around. Yeah. So that's a very, very, very good question. I'm just now learning how to deal with regret. I will say, I'll give you the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I did it all. Short of murder, I'd either, I, I did it, I know somebody did it, or I heard firsthand of somebody who did it. Short of murder. Um, like I, that's no joke. Like I, I know people that have plotted to kill people like um, growing up. But the worst thing I ever did was, you ever read The Hobbit? Like not watch the movie, but read The Hobbit. Yes. Hobbit. I love and The Hobbit. Yeah. There's a line in there that says an ill wind blows tonight. And it's like where something spooky, mystical, evil, myst mystical, right? You'd get that, Melissa. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, so it was a night like that. And I decided that I wanted to end my own life. I was about 16 years old and I didn't try. I couldn't bring myself to do it, but I was swinging on a swing set. And I remember one of the few times crying out to the Lord, as you were talking about, obviously it was done in a negative way, but I was like, God, take my life. And he, he, he wouldn't. And then I was swinging on the swing set and I looked down on the ground and I said, if he won't do it, you do it. And I was talking to the devil and literally I was walking back home after I, like it hit me like what I just did, the gravity of what I just did, not being Catholic. I didn't know how to go to confession and, and, uh, um, walking back, I was literally stopped mid step and like was frozen, terrified with fear. And after, I don't know how long I couldn't even, it could have been seconds. It could have been minutes, but I spun around and then I looked down and there was this black cat staring at me. It was almost like the devil saying, I heard you. I got gotcha. you. Um, I think that that's what happened. I'm, I'm a firm believer that that night I had the conversion. Uh, what was happening was the devil was trying to, because devil has no power. But I think he was trying to convince me that my life was hopeless and I needed to just kill myself. That's that's why I got for But so that was the worst thing I ever did in my life. And after confession, I don't have any, any regrets from that. So, I mean, because of confession, most of the stuff... I have no regrets for, um, an emotional standpoint, different story, but you know, I hate when I hurt people, right. I beat myself up over it. Once I can go to confession, I'm like, oh, I'll try again. Well, or I'll try not to do it next time. Another gift from the Lord is yeah. being able to have our sins wiped away. And though we have wounds, he gives us graces to heal over time. So yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, but on a more positive note, like, um, <laughs> let's change the tune of this song here. Um, what do you want to be remembered for? I think about this a lot. And I think simply put, I want people to be able to look back and say, that was a good person. When I die, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a great saint. I don't want to go down in the annals of history as being, you know, uh, you know, this great person. I just want my friends to be able to look back and the people know me to say that was a good person. Yeah, well said. That's awesome. All right. Our last question is how can our listeners help out the Catholic Misfit organization? What can they do? Uh, where would you recommend they go? 
Oh, that's a good question. We don't take that. We don't take donations. We're not there. We don't want to ask for donations. Hopefully, in the future, we can grow members who would feel the you know desire to kind of uh, members being like a core team that would help out. Um, but we don't want everyday. We don't want everyday people. People who listen to our content, watch our content. We don't want your donations. Uh, we would ask though that you please go on our Facebook page and if you see a video that you like, just share it. That's all we ask. No money. We do not want your money. We're not. We're just trying to help everyday Catholics grow closer to God. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. It's been awesome to have you on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, guys, check out those videos. This guy is hilarious and he brings <laughs> the message. So it's just what a combination. Uh, so thanks for joining us, Eric. This has been a pleasure. God bless you, brother. Thanks. Same to you, pal. Have a good day. And Melissa, great to see you.